0: I need some help here. Put her finger on the scanner. Is that going to stop the fucking bleeding? We need to
1: pay for services. I'm sorry, but Miss Ortega has insufficient resources for specialized treatment. She's just going to let her die? Of course
2: not. We don't turn anyone away. We'll help her as soon as we can. I, um, I just assumed that... Yeah. Please,
0: right this way. You're going to be able to save her, right? Her stack is intact, dangerous to her sleeve. Her arm is too badly damaged. We need to amputate. However, we do offer a wide range of limb replacement models for someone with your considerable financial resources. These are our most popular options, bio gene, splice clone, or full
2: mechanical. Personally, I would recommend the Jaeger-Schuster
0: Model 16, reinforced titanium mechanical substructure covered, the NeuroCam-enhanced cloned human skin, seamless interface with the patient's nervous... Musculoskeletal systems at a real selling point, completely natural looking. Truly the best of
1: all worlds. Any interest in an extended
0: warranty? Yeah, offer of me one more thing and I'll put your head to the goddamn
3: wall. Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Altered Carbon.
2: Today we'll be covering the sixth episode of Altered Carbon titled "Man with My Face,"
3: and he certainly did.
2: Yeah, he did. That would fuck me in the head. You like? Wouldn't
3: it though? Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, hey, that guess what? Crazy. I'm in your body. It's like I, sometimes I have trouble even looking in the mirror. Like, Who are you, crazy <laughs> person? I'm like, oh, it's just me. <laughs> but in this case, it was a crazy person.
3: I know. That would be so weird in this world. I know that we've mentioned that a few other times um, in this podcast is how weird it would be how people can just go from sleeve to sleeve and people have clones of each other and... Um, and you know, we, we, you know, we saw that, we saw that sleeve, you can't show it and yeah, not have it exactly, yeah. out there again. And we got to see it. I thought that was pretty trippy and poor Kovac himself was in for a trip. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And this one was a really good episode.
2: Yeah, I really um, dug it. Um, I know the first like five episodes I was in it, like this is kind of my world. Yeah. But I think this, this episode kind of got me really pumped to see what happens to the end.
3: Yeah, this one, I'm I'm with you. This one had me hooked. There was s- s- lots of great lines, some really great uh, story development. I mean, I've been in it, too, and I've had a great ride so far, but this one I thought was just really great, and it really, really stood out. So I'm super excited to talk about it. So, Sean, my friend, why don't you kick us off with our All number five? All right.
2: So I'm going to kick it off with basically the start of this episode, and it is this hospital scene hospital environment that we are in so last time we left off ortega was basically had that star plunger to the shoulder mm-hmm. and was about to bleed out and we opened with kovach driving i think the wrong direction but he was doing a great job of keeping her alive and avoiding all these this oncoming traffic which yep. you know we always talk about like, you know, we can't have cars that are on the ground today. Like people cannot text and drive and cause accidents. I do not like flying cars seems awesome. seems Uh like a, like a great idea. Like you you can go from point A to point B in a straight line, no matter what. But then you see something like this or like star Wars.
1: Like (laughs) I I don't
2: (laughs) trust humans flying and he did a decent job of it. But, uh, I I had a few questions that kind of came about with this. So, one was the fact that the there was no, like, med unit at the precinct.
3: Right. Do you they know, never have any kind of accidents? I mean, they're bringing in prisoners all the time.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if that's, if the idea behind that is, like, they just don't care about sleeves. So it's like, well, it's Ortega's sleeve, so if she dies, whatever. Like, you know, her, mm-hmm. her stack's intact. But, you know, and none of the police officers were taking her there. I guess, like, Kovach kind of came to her right away, but I would still think that, You know, in this situation, like, the police would do something to help one of their fallen comrades. But in this situation, it was just Kovach. It was kind of him rushing her to the hospital.
3: Yeah, you're right. I I thought that during the last episode uh, there at the end when he comes in and just pretty much takes over the situation and sweeps her up and just rushes out the door with her. I mean, clearly, at least least it appeared from that episode before we saw this one to, to get her some help. But I'm curious as to why someone didn't stop him and say, let us call her an ambulance or, you know, whatever. And... I was really surprised in this episode, and I mean, we'll talk. I know I'm sure I'll probably talk more about it, but how she doesn't have enough credits for you know special services that they can't turn anyone away, but she's got to wait in line like everyone else. Which is, I mean, clearly it this is an emergency situation. She's not there with a sniffling nose, um, you know, and can be seen later. Um, But it's like you would think that her being a cop, that that would Maybe not the credits because I know that they don't make much money, but because she's a cop, you'd think that they would want to see them quickly or that that would, you know, um, that she could get some emergency care because she's a cop. You know, it's like people that pay for cops dinners when they see them out somewhere or, you know, they buy them their cup of coffee or something like that. They don't allow cops to pay or some restaurants don't allow cops and vets and firefighters and stuff to pay or something like that you know, because it's a service to the community. So I was really kind of surprised. I'm like, okay, I guess she probably doesn't have any money, but doesn't the fact that she's, you know, she serves the community enough to warrant her to get some proper care because she's bleeding out all over the place. And I don't know if that's
2: just, you know, if that's just like this, like huge, like hospitals in this world aren't for services. Like there's still the law, like, oh yeah, we have to treat everybody Mm -hmm. when it's convenient, but you can kind of bypass the line if you have enough money. Because like with this, like you said, like wouldn't she have, like, public insurance that would take care of that? Like, you know, it was in the line of duty, too. So the, <coughs> Bay City has a workman's comp issue coming on their hands yeah. if they don't fix her. Yeah, but it was, <coughs> excuse me, it was Kovach, like, in this situation was so, like, smooth because he puts her thumb on it it's like, beep, beep, not enough funds. It's like, oh, sorry, you know, we'll get to her when we get to her. And he just hawks a huge loogie <laughs> on that thing and, it, like, rings you know rainbows of cash and money They're like oh well i'm sorry sir like i had no idea
3: ching, this ching, way, ching, please. Ching. yeah <laughs> yep
2: which uh that you know that's one of the things that's so like I, I guess i'd probably consider myself like a capitalist like i think you work hard for your money you make your money you move up in the world you do your things but mm-hmm. you see worlds like this where like there's you know the have and have nots are such like there's you know that's one of my notes was the fact that we i think they have probably mentioned it but you know ground born, like they right. very much talk about this you know even when the the chief comes and talks stories like you know are was talking to the lady who is a ground born who's trying to become one of one from the cloud,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: he goes like Yo, you're ground you're ground born just like I am, and it's like you know basically you're nothing, you're dirt, you're below dirt,
3: right, pretending to be one of them and trying yeah. to be one of them, yeah, yeah that's it's so yeah, you're right, that's a really good point that you make it's really very cut and dry. Uh, I, you know, we've seen it a couple times, you know, uh, throughout the, the, the series so far where it's really cut and dry. Like we just don't have enough credits for that. Um, you know, by swiping your thumb or your, and it doesn't even have to be your thumb because it's just a DNA reader. Um, so you can spit on it, I guess, and then get the same results. Um, but yeah, there's such a clear, clear define there that, the, the, the grounders, I guess they call them, you know, don't mean much and they're seen as underlings and you only matter in that world if you're one of the elite, um, such as, you know, Bancroft and all of his, his, you know, elite buddies that live up in the clouds. And it's, you know, and then you see the people striving to be like them, you know, she... Um, I believe it's his lawyer. I guess I don't know if that's what they call them in this world. I don't know that I've uh, paid any attention to that, but I know that she represents him and his interests, or most of his interests, and um, is trying to to you know climb her way to the top. You know, she mentioned a Kovac before in another episode. You know, she's like, you know, I used to be a guest. Now I'm I'm not a guest. I belong here, even though she's technically not one of them. But um, you know, she's not just there working. She's actually a guest there you know at that at that dinner party that they were at uh so yeah it's 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 really interesting and i just i thought gosh you know i'm shocked that they didn't that they were expecting payment up front you know yeah. hospitals mm-hmm. nowadays you know technically um from what i know because i used to work for one um Hospitals can technically ask for for payment upfront, but they're doing you a service by filing to your insurance. I know people are going, probably going to argue with that. They're probably, I'm probably going to get some emails, <laughs> <laughs> some debates about healthcare. I do not want to debate healthcare folks. I really don't. It's a broken system, I know. I'm not saying it's perfect, but insurance companies don't technically or hospitals don't technically have to, you know, file your insurance for you before they can ask for your payment, but they go ahead and file for your insurance before they ask for um, any, you know, payment that's left over. So it was kind of interesting to see that that's actually how it works in, in this world is, you know, well, you got to pay for services before you're seen. And if you can't afford it, you have to wait like everyone else, even if you're bleeding out all over the place. In this
2: world where like, like you said, there's people that have money and people have absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm sure this hospital, like if the law is still there, that you have to service people. But you know, 90% of the people coming in there have absolutely nothing. It's like, well,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have to eat and make money too, and that that seems like that's probably what. Because I would think that doctors in this world would still want to consider themselves halves in this world. Right, you know, it would still be kind of a, a higher paid job, and so they, they're almost privatizing it to an extent where, but where they can't legally do it, I guess. But a couple things that I got from this, they've, they've said RD, I think a couple times in, in the series, but this is mm-hmm. the first time it's really clicked of what it means, mm-hmm. which is real death. That's what RD means. Right. Um, she was talking about her partner who got RD'd and it's like, you know, real death. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense now why they called it RD. I just didn't quite pick up on that, which is, you know, again, in this world is very unique. It's the idea of, you know, you can die, but you just get resleeved, but there is such a thing as real death, even in a world where you could live forever. yeah, and the other piece that we get thrown into this, which is super awesome, we learned that you can have cyborg parts, you could be part robot, yeah, that was super cool. He's sitting there having that conversation with the doctor. He's like, oh well, we're gonna have to, and so this is total like a uh, um car salesman type of situation where <laughs> he's it? like, "Oh well, you know, like look at that- this model." <laughs> Oh, that uh that windshield wiper fluid holder just isn't gonna cut it. We've got the deluxe windshield wiper fluid holder over here. You know, that's the one you wanna get. If money's no option, that's the one I would get. And of course money is no option for Kovacs because he's got that Bancroft money. Yeah. And he does Ortega a favor and gets her the deluxe hand gripper five thousand <laughs> and she becomes part robot at this point.
3: Yeah, that's that's super interesting that you bring that up that's actually you were talking um, about the hospital and stuff as your number five and, and what was happening there and like the whole system of it and that's actually part of my number five uh, a part of it was um, Kovach with a heart question mark
1: mm, yeah <laughs> and
3: how we kind of jumped in where we left off and the whole the whole relationship between uh, Kovach and or- Ortega where, you know, he was he was really frantic when they were in the car and he's trying to keep her alive. He keeps trying to keep her conscious. He's trying to keep her talking. He looks really worried about her. It, it, I mean, that's kind of almost the first time that we've seen Kovac actually care about another person because he's told, um, you know, he told Vernon, Elliot, he's like, you know, because he's like, why are you helping my daughter? You know, and he's like, you know, truthfully, I, I don't care about you. I don't care about her. It's a means to an end. It's going to get me further in my Uh, you know, he's, he's looking for the, who murdered Bancroft and he sees that as, um, you know, furthering his investigation and getting him somewhere. So it's, it's a means to an end for him. He's not doing it because he cares about anyone. You can see very clearly as you go through the series that he doesn't care about anyone, but this is like the first time that really, we really see him care about someone and he pays for her, her hospital services. We've seen that, how upset that he was that she may not get the treatment. Like you could see that panic in his, in his face, like really she's sitting here bleeding out and he's like worried she's getting ready to die um, and I think as hardened as he is, we got to see the softer side of him, and that maybe he isn't the heartless envoy that he lets on. But I think that he does it to like protect himself. Um I think part of it is probably part of his envoy training because you know they're taught that you know these um locals are expendable get them close to you, but like don't get attached because they're probably going to die. And I think all it's also partly to protect himself since he's had a lot of loss in his life and he's lost people that he's cared about. We know that he's lost Quell. Um, I don't know anything about his sister. We've seen his sister way back um, when they were going through some of that envoy training. And I don't, I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but you know, it seems like he's lost a lot of people and he's been through some stuff in his life. Um, But he was like really, you know, like genuinely upset about, about her and making sure that she got the treatment that, that, um, she got. And that also, like you said, went into her getting that new arm. He was like, you know, just shut up about it already. Quit talking to me about what kind of arm, just give her the best. And it reminded me like, um, like she was becoming like RoboCop.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good call. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Which is really funny because Joel Kinnaman, who plays a Kovach, um, (laughs) played Robocop in the t- in the rebooted TV show.
2: <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Oh.
3: God, is that not like one of the such a great eighties movie or what? Oh, I, mean.
2: I I like saw like Robocop like six. <laughs> I somehow I talked to my sister into <laughs> let me use her birthday money to rent it from the gas station up the street and we watched wow. Robocop six. Like who does wow.
3: that? Sean, wow, <laughs> that's devotion. Yeah. <laughs> i loved robocop we me and my cousins used to watch that all the time um i dug it um sad story um or or like a little bit like anakin and luke skywalker you know and like luke gets his new hand spoiler alert if you haven't seen star wars and if you haven't don't talk to me (laughs) um but yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty cool. So that was actually my number 5 and actually my number 4. I'm going into a lot of my stuff here. Oh, nice. I'm talking about this stuff. But yeah, I agree. I thought it was hilarious that the way that doctor he's just, you know, just carefully constructing and trying to save her life and stitching her up and like, "Well, you know, she I'm going to have to amputate, but here you can get this arm and yeah. and would you like the extended warranty?" <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's like, yes, that's a that's a kickback <laughs> that I get for selling one of the Super Grip Five Thousands.
3: I know it was. I just I had to laugh a little bit because it's like I get so annoyed. I mean, you cannot buy any piece of electronics in any store without they're like, and can we interest you in like the two year extended warranty?
2: <laughs> yeah, which even those suck because it's like, oh well, it broke. Well, we'll give you another one for two thirds the price. It's like, no, I want it for free. <laughs> I know. I paid twenty bucks for this warranty for a reason, right?
3: exactly
2: um so. well, since that went to your five and four, the only other thing I was going to add it kind of tied in a little bit to where you talked about um Kovach having a little bit of a heart when she looked at him
3: mm-hmm. i
2: I don't remember if she said Riker or anything like that, but you really got the sense of that she wasn't looking at Kovach, she was looking at Riker,
3: yeah, she and called could, him Elias,
2: yeah, and you could really tell like yeah, that hurt him like deep down, so mm-hmm. I feel like Kovach is one of those guys that. He's got, like, that hard shell. He's like, well, I'm a big, tough guy. I'm a, I'm a lone wolf. I sing Bon Jovi on a motorcycle. <laughs> run it, run it. But I'm really more of a rose with a thorn or whatever that other damn song from the 80s is called.
3: <laughs> Every rose has a thorn by poison. <laughs> yeah,
2: He's like, I'm the cowboy with a sad, sad song. <laughs> But that's the sense I get. him is like, you're going to see him like open up and be like this big teddy bear that cares about everybody. I feel.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that was I, I, I felt kind of bad for him. Like you said, he looked really crushed when she kind of woke up and and she called him Elias. And, you know, he's like, you know, I'm not the one that she wants here. And I like how and talked him around it and was like, you know, you may not be the one that 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 she wants, but you're the one who's here. And I like that. I was like, "That's right. Don't don't go don't go leaving her. Um, she's out of it. She don't know."
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're gonna. Well, we're gonna get a fun love triangle at some point, I think. So
3: <sighs> it's gonna get interesting. It, it really got interesting this episode, anyway, with some of the stuff that happened, which I know that we'll dive into. So anyway, that was the, that covers my number five, and also covers my number four. So it kind of jumped ahead of your number four. Did did you already? Say so what you wanted about uh, your number four. Do you have
2: my number four? Is probably pretty quick. It's a new character that we've been exposed to in this episode, and it's Willingham. So it's it's the guy who's kind of pulling the strings of I can't remember what his name is, uh, but it's it's the the guy who's um, always talking about his copy as his brother, which was
3: really oh, really intriguing. Um, I just keep calling him Dimmy. I think the cops are calling him Ca- Cadman, and then they call him Demi, like Dimmy the Dimmy the twin. Is what they were calling him in like one of the other okay. episodes. I just keep calling him Demi. I'm, I'm it, and I was confused because he he was calling him my brother, but it yeah, wasn't really his yeah. brother. It was his copy because he was double sleeved. <laughs> so which I'm is like, illegal, I'm s- apparently. So confused.
2: <laughs> but but we get this new character Willingham who's pulling some strings. Um, he's got a backup system just like Bancroft because uh, Demi was uh, about to to stab him during his backup process, uh-huh. which. For the amount of data that that would have to be, like it's got to be in like the uh, zigabytes. And he was about ready right to stab him, but the, the ghost walker's like, dude, don't do that or I'll take you out. But it was like a few seconds and he's done. Like their internet has to be ridiculously fast.
3: No kidding. Think about that upload speed. I can't even hardly get my PlayStation player, uh, online player to work. Like, I know. I just, share, up, share gameplay to work.
2: I, I just <laughs> updated my phone to a different like plan because I used to have unlimited, but now... To get it cheaper or whatever, like AT and T likes, like, oh, do this, do that, that. I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. But once you run past it, they drop you down to like dial up speeds. And you're like, all mm-hmm. right, I want to look at this website. Ten hours later, <laughs> it finally loads.
3: I know you can share my upload speed pain because it takes me forever to get my <laughs> file to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I'm done podcasting. laughs> you're like, God, I wish you just paid to upgrade that shit <laughs> so I can get that file quicker. <laughs> But
2: I'm really intrigued by Willingham. I mean, he seems like he's worked with Demi a little bit. Um, he seemed like he put Demi in his place. Like, he was super frustrated that he kept calling him his brother. He's like, dude, it's not your brother. It's a copy. It's a copy of you. It's not your brother. And, like, he was making a point every time he would say brother. He's like, copy. It's your fucking copy, dude.
3: Right. He you control inaccuracy.
2: seed and control V'd. That's all you did. Um but and we don't know much about him yet. You know, he's pulling some strings with the captain um, cuz he went to meet him in VR and knew right away that that wasn't the captain. Mhm. So, you know, not much to really say on here yet. I mean, it's just a new character that we got exposed and as we've talked about other things with this TV series like is this another string that we have to tie to the Bancroft murder and bring down to be like, "Okay, well what's Willingham's part in this?"
3: I know. I know. I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up because actually um that goes into my number two. And it's, I thought, maybe I'm, maybe I have, I wrote it down wrong, but well, I thought it was Hemingway. Was it Hemingway. Hemingway?
2: Yeah, I was just looking that up to verify. It's Hemingway. I don't okay, know why it Willing Willingham. I, well, again, like I told you earlier, I found the vodka that's got whipped <laughs> cream. So maybe I had one too many of those with my hot cocoa. It's
3: uh, but
2: it's this. Hemingway. I'm sorry.
3: Oh my God, can you do that? oh yeah
2: oh it's good too like i'm not a big vodka fan but you drop a little of that uh whipped cream vodka in your hot cocoa (sighs) good stuff
3: oh my god
2: stuff like i'm saying and that's what you do like in the right before spring and then in the fall you do uh like um cinnamon whiskey in uh apple cider hot apple cider
3: now that i have done but not not the hot apple cider i did like regular cider and um some cinnamon vodka And that was good.
2: good. I haven't done the cinnamon vodka. I did the cinnamon whiskey. I didn't know they made cinnamon vodka.
3: It was something. It was something cinnamon. It wasn't Fireball, but it was something. (laughs) I know there was vodka involved and there was cider involved. I remember that.
2: Welcome to Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated (laughs) to strange cocktail
3: drinks. (laughs) We got them all, folks, let me tell you. Um I'm going to do that. My you know, number
2: one is this shot of <laughs> Jack you know, Daniels.
3: You know what we need to do, Sean? We need to do a drunk episode. <laughs> well, J- uh, Jason and Karen did it on the dead cast.
2: Well, so, the problem is, you know, spoiler alert, we have. We just forgot to hit record.
3: <laughs> Damn, is that where that <laughs> file went to? <laughs> uh, I'd
2: totally be down. We'd have to do it over like a movie or something like that.
3: I know. We to- Yeah, let's do it on something that... um you know it doesn't have to be taken so seriously i don't want to disparage a show that we're covering you know because um it deserves respect but we definitely need to find something that we can kind of goof on a little bit do a drunk episode let us know guys would you be interested yeah. in us doing a a drunk episode and technically almost all mine are anyway <laughs> Not uh, yet.
2: Yeah, mine are just like a shot or two away from a full drunk episode.
3: <laughs> and say some of mine and people can probably tell like, oh, yeah, we know you did that <laughs> one. That was you were lit. Anyway. Sorry, but folks. My number I'm writing four, that down.
2: Whip my number four is Willingham, a.k.a. Hemingway.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I had Hemingway because I put down that's my number two is Hemingway, not Ernest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm like, okay, so who's this guy? We're getting a little bit more deeper. I don't know that we're any closer. I feel like it's just getting more deeper and a little bit more um, confusing as to this murder mystery and how all of it's tied in because I think we're kind of learning over the last two episodes that we had that all this is tied together. Riker, Kovach, Bancroft. Um, all, all this stuff, everything that seems to be happening here, it's all somehow tied together. And, and I think we're starting to kind of get some pieces, but not quite yet because we, st- I don't still understand who some of these players are, like you said, Hemingway. So my question was, is who is this guy and why is he protecting Kovach? Because he told Demi, cause Demi's going off. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And he's like, well, sorry, you're going to live with some disappointment. Cause no, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not going to kill him. He's, he's untouchable. Um, you know, and he's going, Demi's going on about, you know, uh, how they've worked together for some time. They've known each other for 200 years. Um, he ap- obviously, like you said, appears to have money because he's employing this ghost walker. We could see this ghost walker, you know, a little bit more in full form. He's actually present um, in that moment and doesn't just disappear. And yeah, he's doing his upload thing, like it um, seems like most of the elite do, where they upload their stuff. up into their little satellite thing or whatever and backs their their memory up or whatever. Um, But then why was he after Kovach? Because he said that he sent what Demi calls his brother, but it was just his... Copy. He sent him, you know, that what was it, the first or second episode when they all come in and storm the Raven Hotel and they're out to take out Kovach. That was him. And I need to go back and probably rewatch that because I don't remember all the players. There was a whole room full of guys. Yeah. But he sent him after Kovach. And he's like, you know, he was supposed to bring him back, but he let his emotions get a hold of him. And, of course, Poe, you know, uh, was defending Kovach. Kovach was, you know, in on the on the gunfight, too, and that guy died. Well, I think um, at that point,
2: um, Demi didn't realize that that was Kovac. I think he thought that that was
1: Riker.
3: <laughs> yeah, he still thought it was Riker. But he's telling him, he's like, "Well, it's not Riker. It's Kovach. He's an envoy. So Hemingway knows who he is, um, even though he's not in his. You know, he's in Riker's sleeve. Um, and then again, like you mentioned, he met him in that VR world and. You know, Kovach was pretending to be Tanaka, that police chief um, who we found out is kind of getting paid off. Not a lot, apparently, but enough to, like say, said, get feed feed him a little bit of information here and there. Uh, Kovach was pre- pretending to be him. And Hemingway, you know, kind of figured it out. He's like, you know, you're not Tanaka. And uh, he's like, well, who else would I be? And he just kind of looks at him and he calls him Takeshi like he knew him. Didn't you almost feel like in the, the way that he... Looked at him, and then the tone—it seemed like he called him Takeshi, like he was familiar with him. That's what I got out of it. I could be wrong. That's um, the
2: gist I got. Like it seems. I mean, they're all within that two hundred to three hundred year range, so it's it's potential that they ran across each other, mm-hmm. and you know, having those abilities, and you know, it almost seemed kind of like very envoyant or at least trained in the, with the, that group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because
3: anybody we, we're learning already that. Anybody could be anybody in these sleeves, whether you go into upload world, because he's like, I know I'm an envoy. I can manipulate the VR world and I can pretend to be Tanaka. Um, And then people can upload into sleeves and be completely unrecognizable. And, you know, there's, you know, uh, Bancroft's own son had clones of of his father Um, and you can be uploaded into any any sleeve so you never know who the hell it is that you're really talking to i think that they've went out of their way to point that out so how do we know that this hemingway like you said isn't someone maybe he's going by hemingway maybe he's that's not his real name and he he somehow knows Takeshi from another another time and place
2: yeah it's uh, late like don't it's, it's interesting to get this kind of – like this is a big character. Hemingway seems mm-hmm. like he's very influential in this world, and we're getting him towards the back half of the, the season.
3: Yeah, because we're in six right now.
2: Yeah. Episode six. Um, and I can – like week to week, it's it's gone very well for me. But I can see this as a show being very difficult to keep up with if you watched it week to week. Like you almost have to binge it to be like, oh, now I get it all. Like it took, you know, ten hours, but now I get it.
3: yeah. I think we're going to see some more unfold. I, I think Hemingway knows Takeshi. I think he somehow knows him and somehow wants to protect him. Like I said, if maybe he's was one of his envoy people, but they all seem to be wiped out. I don't but then again, I think we kind of know that maybe, he's, maybe they're not all wiped out because of what happened at the end, which I, I know that we'll get into, so I don't want to talk too much about that part, but... That was my number two as well. Was Hemingway. We're 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 definitely kind of sinking it. Maybe a little bit out of sync on our on our order a little bit, but definitely about a lot of the same things that happen. So, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see a little bit more of what unfolds and who who is who, and who they who they are who they say they are. <laughs> <laughs> Confused, but anyway. Um. So I think we're at your number. Th- my number three. Three. Yeah. All right, so my number
2: three is something that I absolutely hate that families do because, Uh-oh. one, they're always super awkward. Two, I don't think they ever really go very well. And three, I hate when they call them this, but the Bancroft have a huge family meeting. Oh. <laughs> I hate family meetings. Family like, meeting? <laughs> oh, my, my parents never did this because, like, to me, like, it's like, well, I'm calling a family meeting. That's like a dad and mom who's – And I'm sorry if you have done these. Like, it's just kind of my thing, I guess. But my parents never did this because my parents weren't super strict. And I guess, like, in this case, it's like I didn't have a clone of my dad either. So (laughs) maybe if I had a clone of my dad, you'd like, listen, I don't usually call these but family meeting. No fucking clones of me, kid.
3: (laughs) What did I tell you about clones? (laughs) Making clones of myself.
2: But so we get this huge family meeting. So uh, Kovacs thinks he's figured out the case, right? We learned that in last episode. And he comes in here. He exposes that there's a clone of Bancroft that his son made. And he's trying to figure out the last 48 hours. And really from all this, we just realized that Bancroft's kid has just these huge dad issues. You know, he's like, why would I kill you, dad? Like, I want to impress you. That's what I want to do. I want to gain your respect. And... You know the mother like it's it's kind of um stereotypical, I think a little bit whenever you see these kind of things on on t v shows and movies like the mom's like super coddling, super like don't touch the kids, and the dad's more like, all oh, these kids just need some like tough love, and you know we coddle them too much, and mm-hmm. you know it,
3: at it's, first. it's good to oh. see 300 years in the future that hasn't that old argument hasn't <laughs> yeah. changed.
2: Yeah, 300 years <laughs> in the future, there's you're too you tough
3: know. on him, you coddle him too much.
2: <laughs> Family drama doesn't go away in the future,
3: <laughs> nope, no matter how much money you have.
2: <laughs> and I was super like, this was a situation like he walks over to the fireplace and pulls that hot poker, and I was like, oh, shit, he's gonna kill his son, like he's gonna true death his son.
3: Yeah, and I
2: think his mom, and I'm guessing that was his boyfriend. Is my guess
3: that's what it's that's what it appeared to be. Yeah, that's what I got.
2: But instead, Bancroft is like, "No, I'm just going to beat the bloody hell out of my clone." And you know, he's covered in blood, and it's like it, it almost like he threw the temper tantrum. Like he became the kid in this situation. Uh huh. Gets this bloody mess, and he you know goes over to to Kovach and he's like, "Well, I thank you for the update. You know, make sure to bring me the next one." And he's just covered in blood, and goes to shake Kovac's <laughs> hand with like this blood all over him but i'm curious what you think like this is a family meeting in the future um i've never had a family meeting i'm guessing the family meetings like this in the present (laughs) don't go this way
3: well let me i'll say this when my daughter was younger um there we had a few family now there was just the three of us we just had the one daughter uh when there were a few family meetings called i hated the family meetings i was like the kid going ugh lame <laughs> why are we doing this this is stupid <laughs> I mean, all
2: right here's the the gavel you can only talk if you have the gavel
3: yeah it was it was it wasn't quite so formal but there would be like okay i think we all probably need to like we need to have a talk we're all three going to just you know we're going to you know, we have to talk something out, whatever it is. I couldn't even tell you specifically because we only had a couple, but I'm sitting there like, ugh, this is stupid, you know, whatever. Um, so that tells you a little bit about my parenting <laughs> skills. <laughs> but then I was just like sitting on the couch with my kid. We're both slouched going, lame. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was really interesting too. And 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 yeah, you're right. I think Bancroft was – kind of pissed situation he knows he's not really going to do anything with his kid because his his wife is protecting him and he's not really going to do anything of course he's threatening you know to have all of your backups destroyed and i should have you erased which erased still kind of means death i mean just because you don't have your sleeve blown out of your body by a gun or something or or whatever means or a blow because they said like a, a sharp blow can take your sleeve out um you know, it being erased is the same thing. That was kind of like what they were doing to prisoners, right? Wasn't that kind of like um, uh, like the death penalty was to be erased? I think um, so. My guess is <laughs>
2: probably that'd be like their form of timeout. Like he'd put them in like the dark for, you know, 500 oh, well, or 50 years or whatever.
3: Yeah, that's true. Um, You know, I guess you could do that. It's like, well, yep, you're, you're going to time out for 50 years. Um, We're just going to, you know, upload you into some maybe VR room or something where you can't the, get out or something but um I, I i did think how fucked up is that though that he's 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 tearing into this clone that's him that's yeah uh-huh. him lying there how fucked up is that to be beating this shit like you said blood is spurting everywhere that's you're looking at yourself that's so it, fucked up
2: there could be a metaphor there like he just kind of hates himself more than he hates his family maybe kind of what he's become
3: maybe that's that's good. I hadn't thought about that. That's certainly true. I don't know. I just thought I was like that's fucked up. I mean, he smashed that he smashed his face in yeah. a lot, you know, and I was like, gosh, I I I I get kind of why. Yeah, I think you could probably I think it I think he could probably go multiple ways with that. You could look at it like he hates himself. He's destroying this clone that his son created. This is not one of his clones that he has paid for that he houses in these facilities. You know, him and his wives and their children's sleeves are all housed in that facility that we saw earlier in the in the series. Um and uh that's kind of his way to show his son, like I can't take it out on you. I'm gonna take it out on this thing that you made and destroy you know and destroy it. And um but also it, it would be just like, be fucked up.
2: Yeah. Or it could be the kind of situation where he's like, you know, the the stuff that you created, son, I think is awful, so I'm gonna destroy it in front of you. Yeah. It's like I'm not putting this this clone on the fridge, I'm throwing it in the trash. <laughs> like,
3: oh. He's taking his toy away. Isn't this yeah. where you throw the toys away?
2: Yeah, you put him away and you say, I told you to put that clone up 15 times and he didn't. Next time it's going in the trash. Next time next time, you don't put that clone up, I'm beating it to bloody hell.
3: Now it's going into biohazard.
2: <laughs> God, but I think that, like, like, you talked about him beating that up, but the, even the more fucked up part is, like, his kid's, like, 60.
3: Yeah, it's so strange because he's <sighs> in, like, this yeah. young man's body and. Well, even the body's
2: in, like, it's mid-20s, it looks like, but it's, you know, a 60-year-old Adult and then still treating it as a kid like a teenager mm-hmm. like you, maybe it's the dad that's coddling him too much, and not the mom,
3: yeah, they've talked a little bit about that before, how he doesn't let them really like I guess technically, yes, they age, but he keeps them in like these younger sleeves um and and forces them in those sleeves and and we saw the daughter rebel, we didn't see her original uh we just saw her in her mother's uh sleeve in one of her clones. Uh, so we don't know what she, she was technically in, but yeah, this, this guy, he was young, looked to be young, um, young to middle twenties possibly. And, but you know, he, he was acting like a damn child though. He was oh, acting yeah, like sure. a damn teenager. I mean, if you're sixty something years old, you're a little bit too old to be lashing out at your father like that. I just wanted your respect. <laughs> 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 I was kinda, I it just was, want you to get me dad. And maybe that's, maybe that is part of what's come of Bancroft keeping them, uh, suppressed, I guess, and not allowing them to, to grow and mature, uh, in, into more adult sleeves and allowing them to, to, You know, maybe he's kept them too sheltered and and kept the lid on them too much. And maybe that's why he was acting like that. Maybe they're slightly developmentally delayed and emotionally delayed or something because, you know, they they haven't been allowed to emotionally grow because their bodies weren't, they weren't allowed to like emotionally grow. Sounds like he really keeps them under his thumb. Well, it's hard to tell what they
2: may know too, because it seems like Bancroft doesn't keep like the most, uh, I don't know, ethical life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we found out that he likes to strangle hookers apparently and yeah, buy them. Buy new a new sleeves. sleeve,
3: baby. It's okay. Yeah. So I mean <laughs>
2: if they know that, like if that's if that's a public thing that people know about, like what else has he done that the kids probably know? And it's like, listen, you're either gonna rule under my thumb and get anything you want, but not talk to anybody, or you're you're dead essentially.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, I think that we talked in the last episode where it's you know, Kovach and Ortega was uncovering this whole thing with Isaac, um, his son. I think we kind of talked, now that we know that it wasn't Isaac that tried to kill kill uh, his dad, I think that we we pretty much knew that already, the last episode I, I wasn't buying. It just seemed too easy, it seemed too wrapped up, too pretty, um, to say, oh yeah, it was Isaac that tried to kill his dad, so we, we definitely found that out this episode from from all of this, and Kovach seemed to be like, yeah, he just doesn't have it in him, and I wonder if, if Kovach did, if we saw some, like, flashbacks Um
2: Oh, yeah. Of I his home about life. That, yeah. and, and I
3: thought, uh, he does he know he, he, he doesn't have any because he does? Did he kill yeah, his dad?
2: I That's kind of the gist I was getting.
3: Yeah. So thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Good. Good number three. Do you have anything else you want to say on that?
2: Nope. That'll kind of tie in my number three is just this awesome family meeting.
3: <sighs> oh, family meetings. Even after 300 years, they we still got to <laughs> have them. Damn it. All right. Good number three. I liked it. <clears throat> so my number three is Poe Therapy. <laughs> 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 oh, I love Poe. Love Poe. Um, so I really like that we got to see a little bit more. We haven't really, you know, they've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, how he's still working, you know, with Lizzie in that VR world and, you know, her progress. And I know Vernon has been very... um upset at the lack where he seems to to think is a lack of progress. He thinks that she should just like be fixed already and doesn't seem to understand that it's like a process. And I really liked how Poe was, was talking to Lizzie and, and I really liked his manner of speaking to her. He had that really nice, calm uh, tone of voice that made you feel like you could trust him. <clears throat> and um, I like how he was telling her not to be scared of the monsters and monsters seem to be a theme. Cause we saw the one uh, opening where Kovach and his sister, when they were little kids were reading that story mm, yeah, and they were talking about, you know, uh, not, not leaving each other alone and they wouldn't face the monsters alone. And so it seems to be kind of a little bit of a theme that we're seeing um, a little bit in the series. And, you know, I, I like how he was talking to her about that and, um, you know, trying to empower her and tell her that it's not the monsters that we should be scared of. You know, it's our fear um, that that is what overtakes us. And and then it it really upset me where it seemed like he was making some progress and how Vernon jumps in and was he totally disrupted the therapy session. And I didn't understand what he thought was so wrong with it. Like he was really angry that he had that Poe had. Uh, his, you know, Lizzie hit him. And I thought, well, he was just, I totally understood. I feel like I understood it anyway, that he was trying to make her feel empowered that she, she could be in control of herself and her situation and that she didn't have to be scared that she could defend herself, you know, and, and put her back in a position of power because she clearly felt like she had lost some power and, and, you know, came from a place where, you know, she wasn't able to defend herself. And um, and then, you know, after Vernon does jump in, she blamed, kind of blamed her dad, too. Like, he yeah. couldn't defend her either because she's like, I was in the, you know, I was in the forest and there were monsters and I screamed for you, daddy. Where were you? Or you didn't hear me. Um, So, you know, Poe seems like is trying to get her back on track. Like, you only need yourself. You don't need others. You have it within you to defend yourself and take care of yourself and not be afraid. And I just... I don't know. I just didn't quite understand why. I don't know if you have any better insight on that than I am. And I'm a parent, so I kind of get where Vernon's coming from. He sees, he's watching. He probably shouldn't even be watching, you know, what's happening because it would upset him, you know, probably to hear or see some of the things that's happening during the therapy session. You know, those, that should be like a private moment anyway. I mean, aren't therapy sessions when you go to therapy unless you give typically, someone permission yeah. to say, yes, you can sit in on my therapy session? They're typically private sessions and you don't really want that other person to hear what you might potentially say about them that's kind of the whole point I guess Um, so I don't even think he should have been watching in the first place because he might hear or see something that upset him Um, so I don't know. And I get being a parent, you want to protect your kids and and you see them upset. So it makes you upset. I mean, I don't like to see my kid upset at all. It, it, if she gets upset about something, it makes me upset, even if it's right or wrong. Um, so I kind of get where he's coming from in a way, but I just didn't quite understand why he was so upset. I didn't know what you thought about that whole scene.
2: Yeah, it was very much, you know, as, as a parent, you kind of feel like, Oh my gosh, you're doing the wrong thing. But That'd be like, you know, if your kid's going through a surgery, you trying to step in and be like, no, doctor, you're fucking it up. This is how you sew back an arm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, you just, you, you kind of have to, if you're putting your trust in somebody to do that already, you kind of just have to trust them, I guess.
3: Well, um, and he seems to have a real big distrust. I don't know if it's so much Poe or if it's AI in general, but he's yeah. really got it out for Poe. He really does not like Poe. And they're they have this very, it seems very fragile kind of truce that he's trying to trust Poe because Kobach is telling him that he should. He's like, he can do good for her. But I mean, how a human therapist couldn't know what Poe knows. No, You know, yeah, Poe is sure. AI and he was able to upload and get certified and know whatever he needed to know to be able to help her right away. And I get that you wouldn't trust, you know, it'd be hard to trust someone to to teach them or not teach, but like to to make her better. But I just I, I don't quite understand where his distrust is coming from. Um, it's not like he's reached out himself and tried. To, I mean, he's he's the one that's made it worse by doing what he's done, keeping her in that VR world. And then yeah. he visits her and it just traumatizes her even more. You know, he hasn't seemed to reach out to anyone to try to say, well, OK, I'm fucking this up. You try or something. Um, but
2: the but the thing with that, too, is he's seen progress like he's seen her talking. And she hasn't talked in years. So you kind of have to trust that something's working here. Uh, I had Poe as part of my notes, but like the interaction that you see, like when he brings him back out, he's talking to Poe and he's like, can you feel pain? He starts breaking things in the hotel. And I love Poe's reaction because Poe's like, no, I can't feel pain, but I can feel anger and has all the lasers pointed on to basically show like kind of a strength of power. But as uh, he goes and talks to Kovach, Poe has another great line on the phone. He's like, well, so I can't remember what the guy's name is. What's his name? Gomez?
3: Mm, mm-hmm, I think so. Um,
2: he says, like, well, is he there with you? And he's like, "He's like, well, if he is, tell him I'm not talking to him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Poe.
2: Yeah, Poe is a great—I love the Poe character. Like, I'm glad he is a, a regular on the show.
3: Yeah, I'm really glad that we got more of him. I, I, I like seeing him jump between that nice soft side that we see him with Lizzie when he's, you know— um, in therapy with her, and he's being very calm and understanding, and you know, trying to you know help her out of the situation. Um, and then you see how, like when he like after she punched him, and he goes flying across, you know yeah. that 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 way. And then he jumps up, and he's like, "Woohoo!" You know, and then he goes from that. To, you know, when he's back in the hotel at the bar with Vernon and he's very frustrated with him because he's like, well, she was making progress and you probably just fucked everything up that we just did. Now we've taken, you know, one step forward, two steps back and... You know they're kind of having it out, and he you know Vernon starts breaking the glasses and destroying things, and then you see Poe very quickly go from this nice calm you know demeanor to you know, but I can feel anger and uh I was like, "Oh, um yeah, you can and then he <laughs> he he's got his laser pointers on him, got him in his sights, and uh, I thought that was thought that was interesting. I think they're going to be best friends by the end of the show <laughs> by the end of the series they're going to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> They just gotta work it out. They just need to fight and get it over with. Isn't that what guys do? They punch each other a little bit and then then they're best friends.
2: I've never been in that. Like, yeah, never even had... in like grade school and high school, and the guys are like, we're going to the. Ba-. What's weird is in junior high, like all the fights happen in the bathroom, which are always uh-huh. weird to me. But I had guys like, I want to fight. We're going to fight in the bathroom. I'm like, no, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point in us fighting right now. So I'm gonna go home and play video games. You go to the bathroom and do whatever you want to do.
3: No kidding. Ours were always um, either in the parking lot or there was a spot like down – it was in a rural area. My high school was like basically in the middle of a cornfield and we could like drive right down the road on one of this back road and they would – um all the cars be surrounded and there would be a fight down there. That's when I actually oh, got to I see them. Those, I, yeah. I, I missed all the good, good ones in school. That would erupt spontaneously as you're walking down the hall. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought that was a – That was a guy thing. Girls should do that. I wish girls could just like punch each other in the face and then be like, okay, we're done. Girls got to hold a grudge. Anyway, so that was my number three. What is your number two?
2: So my number two is face off. So we see Bancroft or not Bancroft. We see Kovach and Ortega get taken to this uh, battle of the death arena. And it's basically a tale of a love story that this uh, AI is trying to do here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I love you know. It it just kind of shows this world. I think with this one quote where the U- the AI there basically says like, "Never threaten a man's profit margin," mm. and it just kind of speaks volumes for this world. It's like, listen, yeah. I may not like you as people, but you threatened what gets me day to day. So now we're gonna have a cage match. And this whole time, like they're running in there, he's like, I'm selling you as right. Like, this is very much like wrestling. Like, listen, I know you're Kovacs. You're not, you're not, um, uh, Riker, Riker. Yep. but we're, we're selling this as your Riker. He's like, I'm not fucking Riker. <laughs> I know
3: he looks so frustrated. At
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this battle is, it's very reminiscent of the, uh, the cloud party that we saw a few episodes back where, you know, it's a love story, but this is the more down and dirty grungier world. where It's like a cage match. It's very much like booger eating wrestling fan type thing where you're right there in the action. And, um, I don't know if they knew about Ortega's arm when they threw her in there, that she had this huge, like, bionic metal arm at this point. But we get to see that in action.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And so first off, that was awesome. And when she figured out how to use it, she exclaims that, you know, she's like, I really am digging my new arm. Like, I like this new arm.
3: Yeah, I thought it was really cool when she had – put it up in front of her to, to shield herself and she realized whenever it was able to to hold back the blow of I don't even know if these otherworldly creatures whatever they were they didn't have names or anything but you could hear it like whirring you could hear like that whirring I'm going to sound really stupid trying to make that noise but that whirring noise with her arm working inside there and I thought that was super cool
2: <laughs> and what we talked about from last episode like the, the whole shotgun uh, scenario you know, Kovac is fighting himself. He is battling himself, you know, face to face and ends up killing himself essentially Mm -hmm. and real deathing him too. Like not just, well, he has Ortega help him with her new bionic arm, but he cuts out the stack, tosses it to her and she just crushes it right there, which was just so freaking like icing on the cake. Like
3: bionic woman. That's another good one. Bionic woman. Yeah.
2: The only other thing I thought was cool with this battle in the cage is that you know the audience had a little participation. He threw that rhino dude into the cage and it stabbed one of the
3: audience. Yeah. Do you think you have to sign a waiver when you go to that place that you know? Hey, you might die watching this.
2: In this world, I don't really think you sue anybody because if you do, you probably don't end up making it to court.
3: Well, so I think it's
2: just kind of a you know you take the risk by walking through the door type of scenario.
3: Yeah, it seems a little safer to stand back away from that fence a little because yeah, for a sure. couple people were getting hurt by that, that's for sure.
2: Jeez. But we we get to see our two heroes in this cage match where we think like, Oh my gosh, like the world's gonna be against them, but they come out on top. And uh unfortunately, you know, the the AI guy there is like, you know, release the hounds, but this will lead probably maybe to a later number, but we we see another awesome superhero in this situation come to the rescue. But my number two is just this battle in the cage, this love story in the cage, this face off.
3: Love story and battling it out. What other better love story than that? That was really good. That's actually my number one is this fight drone. Probably like a two-parter number one. Kind of talks about different things. But I did love this whole action sequence. I I thought that was really great. We were talking earlier about... Kovac and Ortega in in the hospital and when he was uh, getting her to the hospital and you could see how he really cared about her and I think that kind of played out also in when they were in the ring. You could see a couple of times how he was trying to protect her. Uh, She was down on the ground and he was still up and you could see how he moved. It it was subtle. Um, I I pay a lot of attention to body language so I picked up on her at least what I thought anyway. It's like how he just kind of moved in front of her Um, to protect her from, you know, the, 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 whatever these creatures were that were coming towards them, that were fighting them. And, um, he just seemed still very protective and, and always watching her and looking at her and is she okay? Is she down on the ground? If she's down on the ground, is she getting back up? Is she, you know, coming back to, you know, whatever he seemed, you know, they, they, it was almost like a bit of a love story. They were kind of watching out for each other. She was helping him. He was helping her, um, I love their back and forth and they were working together when they were working together with the chain um, and and taking those those two things out. I thought it was super cool. And then, yeah, then we get uh, Demi who's in Kovac's sleeve, Um, you know, and he was totally like Kovac himself was kind of fucked up by that, you know, kind of seeing himself you know, standing there and he's like, what the fuck is this? Um, you know, that's gotta be just a, a total, total mind trip. You know, we talked a little bit about how Bancroft's beating the shit out of his, essentially his clone lying there in front of him, beating the hell out of it. And then we got Kovach standing in front of him and fighting his own, um, his own slave. And he was a badass. That's for sure. I don't know how much of that was Demi and how much of that was Kovach but um he was certainly a badass that's for sure the whole sequence I thought was super cool I thought it was nicely choreographed the fight scenes and how they were there you know there was all four of them in there um and I just thought it was really great so yeah that's that's my number one
2: sweet so I my number one then is so I kind of stole a lot of yours sorry
3: no that no that's okay. That's what happens. Sometimes I do that to you whenever I go first. <laughs> we kind of we kind of just flow, but I thought if you were talking about it already, I'll talk I'll I'll chime in with my thoughts. Those were my thoughts. So yeah, I want to hear what your number one is. I think I know.
2: Yeah, my number one is just this BA ninja that comes in at the end of this fight to save the day. Yeah. And we learn through because we've seen her um through Kovach's kind of um Oh, seeing a hallucinations type thing, and I mm-hmm. assumed that she was dead. That was my guess because <gasps> yes, it seemed like he only hallucinated after people that had passed away, yeah, because but, we
3: know Quell is dead, but he keeps talking to her yeah,
2: but she shows up and sh- and I kind of knew who it was, but in the background, i don't know if you heard this or not, but they had one of the greatest renditions of more Human than the Human from Rob Zombie. <gasps>
3: Is that what that was? Yeah,
2: I heard it. It was like... Buh, 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 buh. I'm like, is that? Like, it was a girl singing, and I was like, oh, please have more in the credits just so I can be 100% sure. And it was like, cut right into it. And I was like,
3: yes!
2: Um, I knew I, I recognized talk, that
3: from somewhere. Dad yeah, good pickup.
2: I'm a huge zombie. I'm not... I guess I wouldn't say I'm a huge zombie fan. It's a guy I kind of flip on every now and then. Yeah, Rob but, Zombie's cool. like, in this world, like, in the newest episode of Language of Bros, we talk about... um Spoiler alert if you're going to listen to it this Sunday. We talk about this old folks home mm-hmm. that had pole dancers come in to entertain the <laughs> uh the residents. <laughs> and so we talk about like what our uh, stripper song would be, and I always feel like Rob Zombie songs like the ideal stripper songs. Mine would be Living Dead Girl. Yeah. But More Human Than the Human is also a good one to dance to. Like if if there's like a table when that song comes on, I'm on the table dancing. That's oh, my jam. Well,
3: I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'm writing that down. That's for the float trip. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of partial to Dragula myself.
2: Oh, it's so good, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, they did a great uh, rendition of uh, American Band, too. Oh,
3: I really yeah. Dug. I love Rob Zombie.
2: But just not a whole lot yet. Again, it's another character we don't know a ton about, but she's she's coming in, you know, guns blazing and swords swinging, and that's uh, his sister, my number one, the B.A. Ninja.
3: She was like Michonne times a hundred.
2: Oh yeah, she reminded blade. me like a, of a Mortal Kombat character, like jumping in and or like a John Wick or like a, a a Matrix character, like just this super awesome skill, this just amazing ability to shoot and fight swords. And she's doing it for the what we think's the greater good too, which I'm always a fan of.
3: Heck yeah, I agree because yeah, she didn't hurt. Um, she she kind of defended herself a little bit against Ortega because Ortega didn't know that she didn't know who she was she just sees someone coming in shooting guns blazing and wiping out everyone she thinks that they're next to how does she know who she is Um. so you know she kind of you know defends herself against Ortega when she comes after her but she doesn't kill her so you know and she clearly could have very easily if that's if, if she wanted to if she had bad intentions so yeah I think that we can probably assume that she's you know there for good but yeah she came in and I was like badass woman I knew it was a Immediately, you could just kind of tell by her smallish frame. But man, that did not mean that she couldn't like take out all these fellas on her own, and she was amazing with that katana blade. And like you said, she was a total ninja badass. And again, where has his sister been? I thought she was dead too because how he, we've seen it. Since, like, the beginning, that he keeps seeing Quell, you know, and, and, it, you know, it was kind of funny how they were having that conversation outside the hospital. Cause she's like, Well, I'm your psyche and I'm just telling you what you already know, but she just don't really <laughs> want to, you know, be thinking about her to hear it. Um, so we saw that at least one time with his sister. And then we saw them back in their um, envoy training whenever he was learning about the uh, construct and how to control his environment and how to beat it. Um, So we've established that that's a sister, but that was like 250 years ago, and she looks the exact same. Now, Kovach is in a different sleeve now, so I'm questioning then, why hasn't she aged? Is she a clone? Where has she been? Kovach was definitely surprised to see her, because he he knew the face. It wasn't like she was in some other sleeve, and she says, hey, big brother. That's her face, as he seems to know her. Did he think she was dead? Did she fake her death? What... So many questions. Yeah. I have well, like 100 a hundred questions.
2: Like, it may not even be actually a sister. We talked about this earlier. Anybody can be anybody. So
3: that's true. Somebody else could be wearing her sleeve and she's be, trying to fool him. And,
2: <laughs> could be Bancroft. He's like, I wore this suit just for you. <laughs>
3: right? You just don't know male, female or whatever in between, you know, in these sleeves, you just don't know. And, but I thought it was amazing. What I, uh, I know that we've kind of gotten an introduction to her. It wasn't like this is the first time that we've seen her, but what a badass kind of introduction there that we got, you know, to to you know her character. And uh I'm guessing we're definitely gonna see more of her. That's for sure. And I'm excited. I think she's um I think she's beautiful and she's badass.
2: Yeah, she was in um Joss Whedon's dollhouse. I think her name was November in that. Oh. And I had a huge crush on her from that show.
3: Oh nice. Well that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see, see more of her and see where the rest of the story unfolds. So but that that kind of went into my number one as well. I kinda had like a two parter number one where I really loved all the fight drone stuff. Um and, and you were mentioning the AI fella that runs the fight drone. We know his name is Carnage. And we talked a little bit about him last week. I kind of asked you if he if you got like a Max Headroom vibe mm-hmm. from him. And do you want to know why we got a Max Headroom vibe from him? Why? Because that is actually Matt Fowler who played Max Headroom. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. And and you can thank uh, probably 20 people that <laughs> emailed me. And- <laughs> that's or funny. contacted us on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram. All of you folks, you know who you are. Um, I should have looked that up a little bit closer. I was in such a hurry, and that's why I got the vibe. I guess we were on the nose, but like, oh, that dude reminds it's got a little bit of a Max Headroom vibe. <laughs> so at least we were on the same path, but I did not realize that he was still around doing stuff. So yeah, after someone told me that, I was like, what? Get out. <laughs> and I looked it up on IMDb, and sure enough, yes, it is Matt Fowler. In, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. That role he looks so. good
2: he looks good for his age so that was like late 80s wasn't it mid 80s
3: <laughs> i cl- i'm pleading the fifth i told <laughs> uh, we're not i'm not i'm not aging myself but i i do remember max headroom for sure and um I'll, i remember matt fowler and and other things he wasn't he in stephen king's the stand in that tv series i think he was in? oh that. i
2: don't know for sure
3: think he was in that i've seen him in a number of things always been a fan of, of, of his i've always enjoyed him and i i guess it was just the, the the contacts that he wears those funky funky weird light blue contacts that takes up his entire eye and that hair that really threw me i guess for his looks and why i didn't recognize him right away but now that whenever it's pointed out to me i see it very clearly like duh i cannot believe that i missed that So thank you to everyone that contacted us in regards to that. I was just cracking up at like, that is him. That is him. So that was, that was great. But yeah, um, I thought that that whole scene was super cool. I think he plays that part really well. And uh, I'm glad to see he's still working as he's still doing stuff. So what about notes? any notes. Uh, I think we covered
2: most of my notes. The only thing that I could kind of uh, maybe tack on to, well, I guess we kind of really hit on it a, a bunch, was just the the fact of the hospital. You know, there's no insurance, it looks like, in this world. It's just all based off your DNA. So, um, other than that, most of my stuff's already been covered. So, what's some stuff you have for notes? You always have the best notes, so...
3: Oh well, damn! Now I am really gonna disappoint this week because <laughs> my notes—I've already talked about as we were talking in our top five, and um, I've already kind of mentioned him. We talked about the extended warranty on Ortega's arm. I just thought that was really funny because it's like, oh, stuff hasn't changed. You can't walk out without buying some type of electronic device today, and them asking you if you want the the extended warranty. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Kovach believes everyone around him dies. And I, I wonder, because it's like he says that he won't let Ortega die. It's I think that's what he told, I think it was when he was talking to Vernon. Like, you know, he's not going to let her die. Um, so I, I wonder, so I think part of it is because I think that he's truly falling for her. I don't think that that was an act. I think he would probably like to pretend that it's an act. But I wonder how he was so fiercely against her dying that does he feel like a failure that everyone around him has died and he believes that they're they're dead i mean clearly i guess he thought his sister was maybe dead um we thought she was dead at least from what we saw in the series anyway so i just thought that was interesting that it's like he believes everyone around him dies and that's why he won't let ortega die maybe he was talking to quell sorry i knew it was somewhere at the hospital um i already asked a question did kovach kill his dad since he didn't seem to believe Isaac had what it took to kill his dad, and that Demi made a deal with Carnage, um, and that Carnage was willing to take them out because he was messing with their profit margin. So no, good, that that was the extent of my notes. That was it. I didn't talk them them all out.
2: Yeah, but overall, like this, like this episode's kind of ramping up, and everything's kind of starting to fall in place. But they're still adding new characters. We got two new characters in this episode, so. Uh, I'm ready to see the rest of this, uh, this season for sure.
3: I know we we have a handful left because uh, next week is uh, episode seven and there's 10 total. So um, we got a couple more, but not not that many. I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be enough uh, because it, it feels like every time we uncover one thing, we, we might close one thing, but another thing opens. You know, we haven't, we still don't know how all of this ties together. And how all of these characters um you know uh, are in each other 's lives for a reason, I think, so i'm anxious to see how all that plays a part. I really liked it. I really like this episode, so i hope I hope the rest of them keep going like this one so anyway, okay, well, if that 's all for your notes and my notes, we're going to move on to news. So, Sean, why don't you read our one news item that we have for this week?
2: All right. So this comes from Variety, and this will jump back to our staple Stranger Things. So the stars of Netflix Stranger Things have landed big pay increases for the sci-fi drama's upcoming third season. According to a report and Deadline, the child and adult star- stars of the series will all make six figures per episode for the coming season. Finn Wolfhard, uh, Gatton Matizaro, and Caleb McLaughlin. Uh, the show's young male stars are set to make more than one thousand five hundred or $150,000 per episode, uh, according to the report. Millie Bobby Brown, considered the breakout from the first two seasons, is, is reported earning more than three, the three boys. So all four reportedly earned 30000 per episode for the first two seasons, which is a pretty good chunk of change. <laughs> the two main adult stars, Winona Ryder and David Harbour, are now set to make more than 200000 per episode, according to the report
3: good
2: for them so i i'm curious how netflix really kind of judges uh like the worth of actors for their shows because you know with with network tv you can be like oh well this is these actors are worth this much because of the income from uh, ads Mm -hmm. um I, i wonder if they can somehow judge like the number of subscribers just for this or how it works but yeah I mean, the show like we said that's the reason we did this podcast. It's a great show, and I'm glad to see that these guys are getting paid.
3: yeah, I don't know much about what they were earning you know prior to this uh pay increase, but um well, as it says they will make six figures per episode for the coming season, so maybe they weren't quite making six six figures yet um but it's good to see because clearly that first season was such a huge hit and the second season continued to be such a, such a big hit and, you know, really big with the audience. Um, yeah, I don't know. That definitely was not in the article as to, as to how Netflix considers, you know, I, they, they don't quite use the same rating system, but don't they have some type of ratings that they, they know what kind of activity it's getting or something.
2: I think there's an internal measure, but they don't share it. I, They've dropped some where they said like X number of people or X number of downloads or however they do it. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, I still think they keep that pretty secret.
3: They definitely keep it secret. But I know that they know because I know that Netflix – and this might have been something that y'all picked up on um, several months ago. Netflix was kind of heckling someone that uh, watched one of their movies. It was like the – something about the Christmas prints or something. They said, they were like heckling one person, like, what are you doing with your life? Have you watched this like 57 times or something? (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally paraphrasing there. I know that's not exactly it. Um, I could go dig it up, but it was like, people were kind of freaked out, like, Oh shit, Netflix knows exactly how many times you've watched something or how (laughs) often. Um, and it was just kind of funny that they were kind of heckling someone about it. It was all in good fun. I thought it was hilarious. Sorry if that person listening, that was you out there that's listening to us.
2: <laughs>
3: Watch that show. Like that I try
2: guys. to get away from that. Even you stranger indeed. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know exactly what they, cause like you said, it, it kind of, you know, networks, you know, kind of go by, like you said, their sponsorships and, and how popular that is in ratings and things like that. But, um, how do they do that with something like a, a, a streaming service like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon? But clearly I think they deserve it those those kids. All of them are such great actors. You know, and you know you can just really see it whenever you see them on the show. So hopefully everyone here that's listening to us now has watched it. If not, go do it now. It's pretty pretty good. We like and it.
2: And I know a great podcast you can listen to after you watch each episode.
3: Yeah, a really great one. Um I like it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, thank you, Sean. So we're going to move on to listener feedback. So letters from the Raven Hotel. This week, we have a really great voicemail from Steve. So let's kick that off.
0: Hi, Raymond and Sean. It's Steve. I'm sending this in a voicemail because I think it's going to come out better than trying to write it down or type it out. I think the key to Bancroft's murder is going to be in those 48 hours before that sleeve was killed. That sleeve with the old stack was killed. Because remember, he was killed right before his stack would have uploaded to his satellite. We now know that Isaac was in the clone, presumably, and did the business with the Asians, so we don't know anymore what happened during that 48 hours. If you remember in the first couple of episodes, they established that, oh, he must have spent those two days traveling to and from China, physically traveling to and from China. And now we know that may not be the case. So I think the key to the murder is going to be in those two days. Anyway, just my thought. Maybe it's crazy, but it, it makes sense to me anyway. Thanks.
3: That was really great feedback thank you steve um i would just like to also add he wrote back after he left that voicemail and said completely wrong (laughs) he said (laughs) (laughs) he said so all my thoughts about altered carbon were wrong the latest episode man with my face revealed that it was bancroft who went to osaka i'll shut up for a while (laughs) 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 so
2: But, I mean, we still love the feedback, so.
3: Yeah, I think that um, there was definitely, you were definitely on the right track there, Steve. I don't think anything, you know, anyone, after, after watching everything, it, it completely made sense so no one's like oh my god that's stupid um i think that would have made complete sense um i think this whole thing is so confusing because we we don't know who's who and who's wearing who that sounds so weird um to to say that because i feel like that's what they say at, like the Osters like who are you wearing um well it's not about <laughs> dresses anymore it's about whose body are you wearing <laughs> yeah
2: oh i'm wearing a bancroft
3: yeah <laughs> I'm wearing Miriam Bancroft today. Um, So yeah, those were some really great thoughts. And thank you, Steve, so much for taking the time out to not just uh, leave us the voicemail, but also kind of come back in again and uh, leaving some additional feedback on that, because I think you always have some really great insight and thoughts and it's clear that you really do like the show like we do. So I always appreciate hearing from you and from everyone who leaves us feedback. I love uh, chatting with you guys when you're, you uh, you know, for chatting through email or Facebook. Um, if you guys are out on Twitter and Instagram and things like that on our page and chatting with us, I love it. I love it um, engaging with you guys. So please keep, keep chatting us up. Even if it's not about altered carbon, if you want to chat about stranger things, because you've just discovered it, you're just coming on to black mirror, um, and listening to, or, you know, watching season four and listening to us. Um, I want to talk about it because, um, my love for the shows, um, don't go away just cause I'm not currently podcasting about it. So thanks everyone so much for leaving us feedback and keep writing in. Um, I want to chat with you.
2: Yeah. You guys are all super awesome. So yeah, thanks for all the feedback.
3: Yeah, so, anyway, where are we at for next week?
2: All right, so next week we'll be covering the seventh episode from Alter Carbon, titled Nora Inu. So as Kovac reconnects with a figure from his past, his tangled history with the Protectorate. How do you pronounce it? Protectorate? I think it's Protectorate. You were right. Protectorate? Oh, cool. Uh, The Uprising and Quell plays out in flashbacks. We're going to get a flashback.
3: I'm excited. I want to see some more of that unfold. Yeah. Um, I I feel like
2: this would be a good like prequel series too to see like the this the battles from the past.
3: This seems like quite um well because we're talking like at least this point was he was frozen for like two hundred and fifty years, but it seems to be at this point, like where we are now to the show, it's like three hundred years. It seems like this is a very rich world. It's almost um I, I will not compare it to Game of Thrones or anybody writing to me and says this is not as good. Um, I totally get that. I'm just saying it seems like such a rich world that you could, there's so many places you could go with it and that you could do a whole season on this piece and a whole season on this piece and, and still have plenty of material uh, to write about, but we know it's only a three se- three book series. So, and we got um, two more books to go, I think um, after this one. So I'm excited to see some of that play out. I don't, I'm really interested to see some of the um, the past. I, we get it in little pieces, but it's been enough to be like, oh, I want to know what happens. So I'm excited. And if it's anything like this episode, I'll be really happy. So we are very excited that you choose a sleeve with us. Uh, any sleeve, pick a sleeve, male, female, we don't care. Um, <laughs> Do you want
2: your Bancroft? Do you want your Kovach? Go ahead and pick whatever you want.
3: Pick what you want. If you want a Demi, if you want a uh, whatever that... One uh, dude was that was all tattooed up, gangster guy.
2: Yeah. Pick one,
3: <laughs> anyone, chat with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast.
2: You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com stranger T Cast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore indeed underscore pod.
3: You can email us at StrangerThingscast pod at gmail.com and you can also find us on the tv time app i love that app you guys should check it out
2: yeah you go to it you can like after you watch the episode it'll show you a bunch of different things that come open for it's pretty sweet i think actually the walking dead cast is on there now as well the
3: walking dead cast just got added to the tv time app for the official um, podcast for the walking dead on the tv time app so yeah podcastic is uh taking over tv time (laughs)
2: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Allegion at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Legion's coming back in a couple weeks, like you said. So if you haven't seen it yet or you want a refresher, go check out that podcast.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason from Walking Dead Cast and many other great Podcastica um, podcasts did a Legion uh, podcast with the fellas from Bald Move last season. And if you haven't seen Legion, It is streaming on Hulu, and I believe FX is also repeating it as well. So you can check out one of those um, platforms to check out Legion if you haven't seen season one. And then Jason and I will be doing a podcast here on the Podcast yeah. podcast network to cover season two and i love legion guys so you're gonna hear me talk about it not so much on this podcast but i'm gonna be talking about it on social media so i really want you guys to check it out it's super trippy um go check it out i'll, I'll put some stuff out there you guys can look at it so uh and also talking a podcasts, we gotta make sure that we always check out sean and his other podcast the language of bromance that comes out every sunday
2: Yeah, like I said, if you want to know about like pole dancers in an old folks home, that's (laughs) going to come out this Sunday.
3: (laughs) Who doesn't want to know?
2: <laughs> but we have that big news coming up—that 200th episode where Rima and Jason are going to be joining us for our Ask a Bro episode. We've got questions coming in, and they are pretty juicy. So I'm excited for this episode.
3: Oh, do I get to peek just a little, one or two? Mm, no, nope, nope. nope. they're
2: all—they're all just coming at you Darn. right away. Oh man, that's <laughs> no what, preparation.
3: That's when we're going to need that um, v- wig cream, vodka, and the cocoa. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, well, that's our show, Episode 30, Man With My Face. Until
3: next time, I'm Rima.
2: And I'm Sean.
3: And Rhonda from Canada is strange indeed.